Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show. We're on almost 150 episodes at this point, right, Andressa? Oh, there we go. <laughs> That's just, true. Just about. And, you know, as we, as we continue to grow, we are so fortunate and blessed to have amazing women on the show with us to, to learn from, to, to really support each other on this path, right, of financial freedom and living a balanced life, which is really our mission. It's what our passion is. It is what gives us uh, life to, to support women in this business. So eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED lights, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Without further ado, I want to welcome our two amazing guests and two uh, contributors to this book, The Only Woman in the Room. Their stories are absolutely amazing. They're so inspiring. So, Rachel, welcome. Uh, thank you for being on with us. And Leika, thank you so much for being on our show as well. Thank you for having us. Yeah, really excited to really your, your theme of really creating um, social responsibility, social creating, you know, solving social issues through investing and through real estate is, is, it was, it's very inspiring. I think to everyone that's going to read this, but it was really inspiring to me as I read this and I read it a lot. I read everyone's story a lot as we, you know, work through the book and, and found uh, all, all the fun editing things you're up to, but regardless, it was so amazing to hear how you both have such connection around that. So we're gonna jump into that in a moment, hear both of their stories. Before we do, we always like to get connected to all of you listening, watching us, what have you. So Andressa, what is coming up? What can the women listening uh, you know, learn from you or, or, or laugh with you or cry with you or whatever this week? So I'm just gonna follow up the theme of being social responsible or being involved in social cause that can really change the world, right? I always think, I have the belief that it always starts with us. Always starts with us. Our, our ceiling will determine how much we're gonna be able to help others. If we see the ceiling very low, you might be able to help one, two, three, four people which is great, right? It's great. So the reason why I'm telling you this is that this weekend, this past weekend, Liz, Ashley Wilson, we went to a retreat and we started after masterminding all day. We were really exhausted, but really energetic after. So we were having dinner and Ashley looked at Liz and said, do you remember when I came to you guys? and ask about um, opening up a new meetup. And it was like, yeah. And we were like, no, we're not, we don't have the bandwidth to do it. So year, uh, two years, two years, right, Liz, in 2018, um, we, started, we started the podcast and a little bit later we started the meetups, uh, one meetup 
in Philadelphia. And then we thought, okay, we have a lot going on in our lives and we're still, you know, looking to do the podcast and the meetup. And then Ashley said, I would like to open up uh, a chapter. It's like, how the hell are we going to handle this? Our ceiling was, was lower. But as we talked and started getting approached by other women around the country, we're like, this is coming hard and we're not going to be able to, to handle it. So we need to expand our ceiling. Now we're about 27, 30 chapters around U.S. and Canada, and we're, we're growing rapidly, rapidly. So the reason why I'm saying this to you guys is that we would not be able to serve more than 6,000 members on this meetup by itself if we did not just broke our own ceiling. We would not be able to do that. We would not be able to change our lives, other people's lives, if we did not do that. So the first thing that I will ask for you, really try to understand the difference between what you say and what you do in terms of, yes, I believe that wealth can help other people. But if you are not really being that human being and you're just like closing yourself, it's just one energy against the other and you're not propelling yourself forward. So surround yourself with, with people that really play the same game because together we can really change not just our lives. I was saying, Liz and I always said this podcast, this meetup, the community, all the movement, it has nothing to do with Liz and I, right? We're thinking about the next generations. So join the movement. We have a support group that is so kind and I can't thank them enough because you will need that. You need for you and you need to make the impact that you want in your community where you live. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and it's growing and it's really about learning from women and it's about giving and, and getting the support you need. And we all can have things to give. We all have things to get. So these two amazing ladies we have on our show today have lots to give and, and have done an amazing work in their own, you know, investing career. And, and I know not just that's important, but more importantly, creating like, you know, that, that idea of making a difference, like a real difference in communities, which is not always uh, on the, I should say it's not, a lot of investors don't always come into this business to do, I should say. It's about making money and it's what have you, but, but for both, both of you, love to, and, and as we segue here, I'd love to hear from both of you, share a little bit about, uh, Rachel, we can start with you. What, what propelled you to get involved in, in, you know, in real estate? And if you can tie in the social piece to it, the social responsibility piece, was it always there for you? Was it one of those kind of like motivators for you at the beginning or did it come along as you got involved? Cause you do construction. Rachel runs a very, very successful construction business and is involved in a lot of different things in Philadelphia. So did it come a little bit after? Did you realize there was an opportunity to really make a difference or was it always there for you? So if you can share that as we jump in and then we'll um, sure. you know, transition. Sure. So, I mean, I, I actually never planned on a career in real estate. Um, my dad worked in commercial real estate. He was a commercial mortgage broker and uh, I always thought it was super boring and <laughs> I had no intention of ever getting into the business. Um, I actually studied to be an opera singer and that was my first career. 
Um, but uh, it was a little hard to make a living as an opera singer in the middle of a recession. And, um, <laughs> so uh, I, I was living in Italy and, and singing, uh, and I had to move back to the States because I needed a, an operation, a sinus operation, because I kept getting sick. So I took a hiatus from, from singing for a while, and uh, my dad convinced me to start working in his office um, in the commercial mortgage business. I was doing loan underwriting and, uh, and loan servicing. And um, during that time, I started getting more interested in it. Um, specifically, there was a, a client who uh, was buying properties uh, in Pottstown. He was buying really cheap houses, fixing them up and renting them out. Um, and he had kind of come up with an interesting business idea uh, where he was, he hired a crew year round and during the spring and summer they would do landscaping. And then during the fall and winter they would rehab these houses. And he amassed like a giant portfolio of properties. Um, and if you looked at him, you would, never imagined that he was a super successful uh, real estate guy. He was kind of like a rough looking, I <laughs> 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 like rode around on a motorcycle. And, um, and that really started my interest in real estate. I studied to be an appraiser. I got my real estate license and, um, and my plan was to just try to start uh, getting a rental portfolio together. Um, and I worked with my dad for a couple years and it was a very small company. And he suddenly, I, I got my I bought my primary residence and I got my first rental property under contract. Um, and the day before I closed on it, my dad uh, unexpectedly passed away. And so overnight I went from, okay, things are looking up. I've got, you know, a, a property on the horizon. I'm going to rehab. I've got a job. Um, to all of a sudden I lost my father and I have no real job and I've got uh, two mortgages to pay. So um, overnight things kind of drastically changed for me. Uh, I had a degree in music, so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a fantastic time to be looking for a job in general, but especially, um, you know, as somebody who really didn't have a lot of, um, education other than than in the arts and um so i sold my house i moved into the shell that i bought and um kind of struggled for about a year uh at least and started my businesses and and everything has grown from there um but the experience of how quickly you can go from a place of comfort to you know worrying about how you're gonna pay your bills and feed yourself and take care of your family, um, you know, overnight was, was really eye opening for me. Uh, and I've always been involved in, in a lot of community service. Um, specifically I speak Spanish as well. So I used to work at, you know, as a, in, in a social services agency for Spanish speaking people. And, um, I used to teach English as a second language to adults. And, uh, I had a big program here in South Philadelphia for that. And, uh, also taught classes in Spanish to, get your GED. So um, social service has always been a part of who I am. And once I get into the real estate business and I'm going in all these houses that needed rehab in different areas of the city and seeing um, how people are really living in a, in a city that has so much wealth and opportunity uh, at the same time, just to see that sort of 
dichotomy firsthand uh, really made me interested in um, in building a business that combined not only perfect personal profit, but uh, trying to help advance the community as a whole and, um, and investing uh, part of my business back into the community so that instead of widening a, a, the gap between um, you know, those who have and those who don't, uh, to sort of help bring the community along as a whole together. Love that, love that, it's great. Um... Lika, how about you? Yeah, um, so I moved countries when I was 24. I moved from India to the US and that was a huge life-changing experience for me. I have always been in like the fashion industry, fashion merchandising when I was back in India. Then I joined Nordstrom here. So I was at Nordstrom corporate for a long time. So real estate was really not even in my like path or vicinity, I would say. Uh, but in in 2012, I had my first child and I just felt like at that point, I wasn't really, you know, doing anything to fulfill my dreams. I've always been an entrepreneur. So I was like, hmm, having a corporate job, not really making a difference to anyone's lives. Like that was just like not, you know, fitting in well with what I wanted to do long term. And so I was like, what else can I do that would like, you know, open up all these opportunities for me and also at the same time, make my schedule really flexible. So I, I could hang with my kids and I could do all these other amazing things that I, you know, wanted to do. Um, and so I, you know, started researching different options and real estate just fell in my lap at that point. Um, my dad, Rachel, just like yours, always told me that, you know, if, if you have two cents invested in real estate. So for me at that, like somewhere, like, you know, the back of my mind, I was like, okay, I want to start investing like money into rentals long-term, but I didn't think that that was like almost like a path to even get there. So then um, in 2014, I decided, okay, let me go out and see what it would take to build a new construction home. And through that discovery phase, I realized that that was just going to be a long-term project and just, you know, not very income producing. And I was like, I don't know if I'm interested in like, you know, putting all my eggs in one basket and waiting two years to make a paycheck. So I was like, okay, let's explore other options. And that's how I came across flipping homes and rehabbing homes. Um, so I bought my first project in 2014. And since then I flipped over 40 homes. I've got my broker's license. I have now started to research other ways of investing in real estate. And of course, like, you know, I've started amassing a rental portfolio because for me, it's all about long-term, you know, growing and, you know, uh, this like creating a legacy for my grandkids, whatever. Right. Um, I have always been interested in giving back one way or another, whether like back in college, it was about, you know, giving back by way of, teaching kids to dance or, or like teaching them French or teaching them to study the right way. Um, and then as I grew and started to make money, it was all about donating to the right causes. So for me, that's always also been like a, you know, like how do I do something where I can make a big difference in people's lives? Um, and honestly, like through my flips and one flip in, in, in particular, 
I learned about, you know, adult family homes and what, what the senior living population is growing out to be in our country and the huge need that we are now create like we have to take care of these seniors, um, especially through the pandemic, like now recently I'm seeing more and more the, the need for like senior housing. And through that, um, through my flips, I discovered that I could actually create, you know, um, a residence for these residents. And so I was like, okay, you know, why not research that further? Um, I've always wanted to do like affordable housing or like drug rehab facilities. I just didn't know like where I would end up or where I would land. And then senior housing just happened to be that one niche that, you know, that I can really like go after and make a difference. Uh, and that's kind of how I even learned about adult family homes and how I have now built my first one. That's great. Yeah. You know, I, I took notes over here because I didn't want to interrupt, but Rachel, you said something. I knew that before because we, we have a personal relationship. And when you told me, I was like, oh my God. But she mentioned this particular topic that I'm going to talk about. So like, yeah, and then I moved into the shell. She moved into a shell, a house that has nothing inside. So when you see Rachel, right, when you see Rachel on DIY TV and you see the wonderful properties that she transformed here in Philadelphia, you might think, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> Born yeah. with like silver spoon and oh my gosh, she's so lucky. Well, I mean, it's funny, like in those, in that year, it was, you know, I'm lucky to have a good network of people that, you know, support me and I have a great family. And so even when I was, struggling I had people that I could call and count on to give me good advice and a lot of people don't have that so um you know everybody's kind of struggle is relative to to how they grew yeah. up but, yeah um you know during that time it was the, the house didn't have a working kitchen the bathroom it had like a working yeah. toilet but I would shower at the gym like it <laughs> and we kind of had all of my belongings stacked in the living room and then um I remember I went out on a date and the date like came to pick me up at my house and he was like, can I use your restroom? And I was like, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> like, uh, maybe, like, let's just go to the restaurant, you know, whatever. So I was really embarrassed to let people in and, um, you know, and to see for them to see how I was living. But, uh, luckily I was able to move out of that situation. Um, but, you know, sometimes in order to get ahead, you have to kind of humble yourself and, and do what you need to do and uh, invest your time and money in the, in the things that matter and to get you ahead. And um, for me, it was also an added pressure of like, you know, taking care of my mom and, and my family. And so, um, you know, it, was, it, it just happened that way, but <laughs> it was a fun year. So, so Rachel, I want to read... Uh, a small quote from the chapter, the only woman in the room. Yours is set. Your chapter is the chapter 20th, uh, building a business through social responsibility. And one thing that you say here is, 
whatever there is a great opportunity, there's also a great responsibility. So as we contribute to building homes and raising values, we also must think about building up and contributing to our communities as well. And surprisingly, I have found the more that I have given, the more I have received in terms of clients, support, recognition, and most important, a support network of friends and allies. So we see a lot of, of investors. You go around Philadelphia here, you're going to see a lot of movement. Um, and I, it might be bad, but I don't believe or I, or I haven't experienced a lot of investors being even aware or mindful of the neighbors, of what's going on around. It's like laser focus. This is like my property and this is what the profit that I want to make. And that's, that's the plan. So it's like a narrow vision. And I don't know if that is just my experience or if you have you know, experienced people that are mindful of what's going on because I completely agree with you. We have, we have like a responsibility and obligation to those communities around, to contribute to those communities around so they don't feel that they're really like being kicked out and, mm -hmm. and, and can't afford it. Yeah. Well, I think too, in Philadelphia, they're like Philadelphia for a really long time was a city in decline and we got really good at being a city in decline. People were moving out of the city, businesses didn't want to be here. And then things shifted and people started moving into Philadelphia and the city started growing tremendously. Um, and then it was like the gears kind of had to grind to a halt and turn around and start, you know, turning into a city that's now growing. Um, and that has been a difficult shift, I think, but it also has, um, you know, as the city is catching up and trying to, you know, uh, look at different aspects of that, uh, some people have been left behind. Uh, and, and in Philadelphia, we really have um, a, such a large portion of our housing stock that's dilapidated, it's aging, um, there's a lot of deferred maintenance, and, um, and there aren't a lot of ways for people to pay for those home improvements. Now the city has come out with, you know, different grants and loans for repairs. Um, but even still, uh, there's a large portion of our population that's living in poverty. Um, and there is a huge amount of housing that with just a few fixes could be preserved for a longer amount of time. Um, and it's like, you might go into a house where there's a small roof leak and maybe it takes a couple hundred dollars and a few hours of time to fix it. Um, but once you fix it, you've sort of, you know, you've preserved that house for a longer period. Uh, but if you leave it untreated within a year or two years, that house could become inhabitable. And um, some people just really don't have that money to, to fix these simple things. Um, and so when we do construction jobs, uh, we often will do little things for the neighbors. If we're on the block, we always make a, a concerted effort to pick up the block every, every day after work. We, you know, we'll pick up the trash and, and get rid of it um, or do little, you know, maintenance projects for neighbors and so forth. 
And, and then also through the construction company, uh, once I got the TV show, uh, it was funny because when I started out my business, nobody wanted to help you. Nobody wanted to lend you money. You know, <laughs> nobody wanted to take me seriously as a woman going into these construction supply houses. And, um, and it was intimidating. But then once my business started doing well and I got the TV show, then the lenders were like, take our money here, <laughs> use our products. Um, and so I've tried to leverage that and use it to help some of the people in our community um, through either donated materials, donated labor. I donate a lot of labor and, um, and funds as well. We do fundraisers um, to help you know, people as, a, as we can in the community to, um, to renovate their houses or not even full renovations, but maybe their bathroom's leaking or their roof is leaking and we'll, we'll go and try to get them some, um, some help with that. Uh, and in turn, it really has, you know, I, I went into it just because I, I wanted to help and make a difference. Um, but it has helped, helped actually build my brand as well. And my construction side is a brand that you can trust. And, um, and so we've been lucky to have a lot of good community support as well um, all around uh, when we're working and, uh, and usually have very good relationships with the neighbors around our projects as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Leka, for you, that's awesome, Rachel. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you, when you serve to serve without like a ton of, you know, oh, well, I'm going to get this and I'm going to get that. Like you really, yeah. when you're in service, real service, it comes back tenfold. So that's, that's, that's amazing. Um, for you, with all the homes that you flipped, um, and I know you're now moving into more of the senior um, senior living kind of. Is it? Is are you building facilities? Are you converting like these these homes into like group kind of um, support a support group? Like what what exactly? How are you structuring it? I'm curious to understand that a little bit, um, and also for women listening, how you've been able to blend, right? Something you're passionate about. And there's a huge social need right now, absolutely, with your investing business. So walk us through that a little bit and, and hopefully we can dissect that a little bit to give the women listening some ideas as well. Yeah, okay. So first of all, every state has a different setup for an adult family home. Um, in my state, it's six bedrooms on one floor hmm. that can be you know, serviced by a provider and a caregiver. So for me, it was about... The home that I just did was a remodel. So I, you know, it had the right driveway access. It had another unit under, under the home, like in the basement, two, you know, four providers and caregivers to live in. So it was actually really easy. And then the, the, the top floor, the main floor had a garage. So I took the garage out, converted that into two additional bedrooms, adding six bedrooms on one floor. Hmm. So it's easy to do a remodel and a conversion rather than building new because uh, in Seattle, especially in the greater Seattle area, ramblers are not easy to come by. When you do build, it's, you know, it's not the most preferred kind of building because our land is so expensive. So just, you know, building a rambler is just not going to be lucrative in the, in the long, uh, long run. Um, so it's, if you can find small ramblers that you can add on to or garage to garage conversions, that's the best way of creating an adult family home. Because at the end of the day, the max you can have is six bedrooms. And then once the operator has two years of experience, they can add two additional bedrooms. Um, 
so the way that I, you know, like as I keep buying more and more homes to flip, I'm going to keep looking for suitable homes to convert to adult family. Also, our state is super rigid in the way they license homes. So licensing can take anywhere between six to eight months. Mm. Um, you know, making money fast is a fiction. Like you oh, thought. what? You're saying that the two-week HGTV is not right? Is that? Ah. Um, so, you know, like anything requires a lot of planning, a lot of permitting, a lot of construction, like it just needs, you know, it needs a lot, a lot of work. Um, so just like, if you can plan for it, like going into a project saying, okay, this is going to be converted to an adult family home. And that's the purpose. That's the highest and best use of this, this property. Then, you know, I think you can plan for things better and easier than if you actually just like what I did was I converted an existing adult family home into a single family home because I had no idea what an adult family home was. And then I converted it, that single family home back into an adult family <laughs> home and converted a garage. So that, that project basically took me two years and it's going to take wow. me another six months to get a license to be able to run a facility from this house. So if you plan for it, I think things will be a lot easier. And now knowing what I know, I know my next one could be so much simpler, easier, you know, so yeah, plan, wow. plan in advance. <laughs> so in your chapter, you said that your first flip uh, absolutely beat you up and the lessons that you learn are going to care forever. So share with our audience here, uh, like your top three lessons from that specific project. Oh my God. My top three is have grit and resilience and really like your network is so important when you're in this business, right? Um, that first flip, I bought it sight unseen. I was promised a contractor by the wholesaler that never showed up. Oh. Um, and then I was told, I was told that the budget <laughs> was like 60K, but then I actually walked the house and it was more like 120K. Okay. So, right. So when you're going into a project with a small profit, because it's your first one, and then you're just hit with, you know, twice the amount of budget, you're going to have to learn to make it work. And so I think that's what like it taught me to hustle uh, because what I could have lost almost a hundred grand on this pro project, my very first project, and then just be turned off from real estate investing yeah. altogether. But I was able to turn that hundred grand loss into a $5,000 loss. And that I think was a huge lesson for me. Yeah. It's not, you know, losing money is not a bad thing. If you can learn, like if you can, if your experience can grow tenfold and that's kind of what happened to me, you know, um, I, I realized that I should never buy a property sight unseen, simple, right. But a lot of us miss it. Um, then I, you know, I found a way to find good contractors because I had walked 15 contractors through this project wow. in order to just keep beating down the price because I was like, I can't afford you. I can't afford you, you know, because I don't have a profit. Like going into your first project, knowing you're going to make a loss, that is a big like challenge in itself. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's like a big deterrent, like to keep continuing on this path of like real estate investing, fixing up homes. So I think that project it just taught me so much. The day we closed, I was like, okay, wow, that was a five thousand dollar loss. Like that, that was just that was let's like celebrate. Let's go, yeah. let's celebrate, <laughs> Papa. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, that was yeah. a huge win. And then I was like, okay, if I can turn something so like negative into a positive, then imagine like actually now knowing what I know and going into my next project, knowing that I, I will make a profit was what kept me going. So yeah, that first project is huge. It's just amazing. And I'm glad that I didn't go into that project, make a hundred grand and then be like, oh, real estate investing is rosy, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. a piece of cake. If you never get kicked back once or twice, it's like you become, you know, almost like fearless and that can be a really bad. And jaded. Yeah. Yeah. Like you feel like, oh, everyone's always going to be a win, but you know, every, even like no flip is, is rarely they're very straightforward. There's always something that comes up, whether right. you have a contractor that leaves you hanging or you find a structural problem you didn't anticipate and stuff like that. Plus yeah. like, you can never trust the wholesalers' budgets. That's all. <laughs> I, I always like. I sometimes I I I have fun by looking at, at it, and other times I was like, "Wow, yeah. you really?" They they say the last one that I got, I was like, "Something is off here." And do you want me to be kind or honest? I told yeah. him, and he's like, uh, "Honest." I was like. <laughs> Something's really off. You are telling me that this deal is eighty thousand. It's gonna take a hundred to fix it, and it's worth four sixty-five. Something is off here. Either we're missing something. And the more that you start asking questions, you're like, well, how he told, she took, like, like, did you walk the property? What is the scope of work here? because he gave me like a contractor, which is like a lump sum at the bottom. Yeah. I was like, that's like well, very like, broad. A lot of them don't know anything about it. Like you don't really have to know anything about construction or real estate or, or even real estate valuation to be a wholesaler. You just have to go out and like hustle. So find a property. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like a lot of them, you know, they'll give you these budgets for real estate. Like I'm a contractor and I've never done a flip that was $60,000. Like all of mine across the board cost me a hundred thousand and up, you know, doesn't matter the size, but we do things the right way too. So, you know, there are all yeah. sorts of good cut corners and, and um, you know, and earn less, but I like, I also like the ones that are the, the wholesalers that'll give you like a packet of comps and they're like, 10 miles in the other direction in the city. You're like, that's not a cop. But I think that there's so much, like if, if the wholesalers out there, right? Ladies, you guys that are listening and you're guys, you know, doing wholesaling strategy. If you do it right, if you get information about construction, I think it's essential for a wholesaler to really understand construction. Because if you tell me, oh, that cost 30,000 and I walk the property and I know it doesn't your your credibility goes like down pretty quick pretty mm -hmm. quick but if you are on point if you work hard you're gonna get paid I have paid wholesale fees of 25,000 I made four times more than that in that specific deal but that guy knew exactly what he was doing he knew exactly. And when first when he said 25, I was like, you're crazy. He's like, no, come and we're going to walk through. And But he 
he kind of like paid his duties. You know what I mean? He he knew the market. He run the comps right. He knew what what was wrong in the property and how much it would cost. He did his due diligence, and I was glad to pay him 25 grand for it. So I truly think ladies that if you are doing wholesaling, think about what we're talking right now, because you also have the, going back to the responsibility, you have a responsibility because you, you are selling something to somebody and you are claiming that that is, that is correct. By law, you might not be held account, accountable, but I believe in karma, and I I do believe that you you know you gotta do good in order to receive good back. Because a lot of a lot of the ladies that are getting started, they will trust you, and they will go for it. And and that's why we have the community to kind of like, hey, does this make sense? As uh, like you're saying, you're you're surrounding yourself. You've got to tap into your community to get the support. You yeah, know. and you know what? I've paid 90 grand as a just an assignment fee on a flip. Yeah, I've, I have paid around that too. Like, yeah, I mean... Wholesalers, like if they know what they're doing... Like I, I don't deal with a lot of wholesalers, but I deal with uh, primarily one guy. And I know that when he sends me a deal, he's looked at the numbers and he knows how to evaluate it. And so I'm not just like perpetually wasting my time looking at deals that don't make sense. Rachel, you like stole my words because I'm the same way. Like I have bought 70% of my deals from one guy. Wow. And I, it's been a home run every single time. So, you know, so I'm like, you know, if, even if you are a wholesaler, like for me, most experienced flippers, this is, the, this is the absolute truth. We do not buy deals from a mass email blast. Every deal that I buy, I have been called personally. I am the very first person to see the deal. That's correct. Yes. 90% off market. And those are the absolute only deals that I will buy. And my wholesaler knows that. And he knows that if I say yes to a deal, I am 100% going to close. So it's super important. I think like when you, if you are a wholesaler, find your buyer pool, find five people that will close and no matter what, they will hustle to make the deal work and work for them. You know, ask them what their criteria is. That's just going to make you a better wholesaler too. Like, I think you're bringing up, um, I think you're bringing up something really critical in this business where to your point earlier, Rachel, you said, um, you know, when you start, no lender wants to give you money. No one wants to do anything with you. But then all of a sudden you start to get some, a little bit of a track record going. And, and, yeah. and, and especially for you, right? You're on TV. Um, so it's, it's interesting, right? So, so to Laika, to your point, the women listening, um, you know, we have all types of women in our community. We have women starting out, but quite honestly, we have tons of women who have a rental portfolio. They've done flips, they've wholesaled, and they're just looking to scale, right? They're looking to get to that next level of like, getting their phone to ring more than them calling people. So I know when that transition happened for us, where people, brokers were calling us, hey, we got a deal uh, in the area that you just bought XYZ. What do you think? How, how can the woman listening become that person, mm. right? That, that's a good question. Specifically, what are some things that women can do to become the person that gets those phone calls versus the first phone call, the first phone call. So for you speak personally, of course, you know, obviously you went from this deal that could have put you 
you know, <laughs> bankrupt and just done with this investing business, but you didn't. And then you, you've carried on to being that first call. So what do you think helped you along the way to get to be, to get to be that type of person? Can I be completely honest? Yes, yes, yes. I was really that annoying person (laughs) that when I saw a deal, I would call the broker, email them, text them, leave a voicemail, and then stalk them at their office. (laughs) Like I would literally be like, I want this deal and I want Mm -hmm. it now, you know? So the first deal I did wasn't successful. The next deal I did was super successful and I bought it from a no-name wholesaler. The second deal I did, again, I bought from like a sheriff sale at the auction. These were properties that I was just throwing random darts at and hoping that I would make a profit, right? Then I was like, no, I got to really like, you know, find the good people that are finding really good deals that are slam dunks. And so then I started to network with those people. They didn't know who I was. They didn't know, like they knew that I had no experience. Um, and I'd done like two deals in my life, but they were sending out some really massive, amazing deals with great profit margins and everybody like we're talking 2014, this market was just like a cash market. Like you, you would show up at the auction and people would bid something 300 grand over, buy it all cash with a two week close. Like how would I even compete with that? Right. So then I found the players in the, in, the, in the industry here. Like I found two or three wholesalers and I just, you know, became really good friends with them. Like, hey, can I take you to coffee? Can I take you out to lunch? Like, um, hey, how's your day going? Like just randomly call them. Then they would send out a deal, obviously to hundred people. And within the, the first few hours that deal would get bought. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I just missed out another great opportunity. So then I would just like really hassle these people to sell to me. And through that, I became friends with one of the top wholesalers in the city. And then we became such good friends that I started buying all the deals she got. And to, to date, one of my most profitable deals that I've done was she called me and she said, hey, do you want to grab coffee? And also... I, there's this house that is three minutes away from where you live that needs to be fixed up. And I think it'll be a pretty good deal. You guys, I made 200 grand on that deal. Wow. So, and I was like six months pregnant and I was like, this is the perfect flip for me because it's right by my house. It's on the way to everything. And it was a super distressed property. And I was actually helping this old couple move into their like dream mobile home park by Mm -hmm. buying their house completely off market, right? I would have never bought that house if it wasn't for my relationship with this rock star wholesaler. So just be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like persistency though. With, in this business here, if you're not persistent, if you don't stand up everything that, every time that something, you know, you get knocked down, you, you just, you won't. So the grit that you mentioned at the beginning, I think that it, it's one of, you must have it. It's not like, yeah, I want it. Wanting, it's not enough and because you're going to get hit in the face. Oh my God, yeah. Right? <laughs> and also times just a, day. a really good, I think, problem solver because for me, that's been my biggest success is problem solving. Like I needed to put in two side stores this week on two random different projects and I couldn't find anyone, but I made 20 phone calls and the side store is going in tomorrow. So just be really good at problem solving 
and watch like the world open up for you. And it doesn't end, right? So like people think, oh, well, you have to problem solve on your first few deals. And then, then it's just smooth sailing, right? <laughs> I mean, I, we're problem solving more on this current project we have under contract um, than any time before. Right? right. So it's just a different problem. It's a different situation. It doesn't, it doesn't all show up. I'm sure you see this, Rachel, with all the construction that you do. It's not like, oh, this is problem A, problem B, problem C. I'm sure you're dealing with like, hold on, wh- which one is this? I've never seen this one before. I'm sure there's times that we're, you know, so it's just, I think it's critical that you're right. We're, you're in the business of problem solving. That's the biggest pr- business we're all in. Um, and you can kind of get that way of thinking about it. It'll really, really free you up, right? To not get so, you're almost looking for it. Okay, what's going to happen for this one? I'm ready. <laughs> you know? I always say, like, let me le- learn the lesson now on this, this deal. Because I'm going forward and I'm going to be taking over all their things. So let me universe give me the lesson and i i got the lesson i know that i did not get the lesson when the same thing happened several times and it's mm-hmm. just like there is a similarity okay the gc walked away and now he's walking away again hold on it's on me right i am not getting the message so for the ladies out there in our community if something there is a pattern you know, stop and say, ah, oh, universe, gotcha. I got the lesson now. <laughs> Let me understand what it is because I don't want to repeat that moving forward. Yeah. Also, I think a lot of it is like trying to align yourself with people who are like doing an ethical business, right? Yeah. So yes. there are certain people I, you know, I got a great deal from somebody who was a terrible person and I will never work with him again because I, I, I don't agree with it. I know that at some point in the future, I can't count on them to do the right thing. So with every aspect of my business, whether it's a, um, you know, a wholesaler I'm dealing with, a, uh, a subcontractor, employees, anybody i want to know at the end of the day that you know people are going to make mistakes so there are things that are going to come up but i want to know that i'm dealing with people who are going to um address the issue in a responsible and ethical way as opposed to just trying to get out of it or get around it and i think that's been a huge key too um is just uh you know dealing with people that you can you can really count on uh, all my employees like have keys to my house, for example. Like I, I only work with people that I would trust completely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as we, as we um, both, both, both have been amazing during this interview and we appreciate you both so much for the women listening as you know, the last question I have for both of you is that what's a small thing, right? So we think about social issues just to, to circle back on that concept. It's very big, right? It's like, what can I do? I'm one person, right? <laughs> I'm just trying to create some, some wealth for my family or I'm trying to create like another stream of income or trying to replace my job or I'm trying to take care of my, my aging parents or whatever that why is for someone. I, I think we all sometimes can be very like, we think of ourselves as very small. We're in this like small little buckets, our little world. What can I really do to solve a social issue or a social problem? So what would you say to those women listening? You know, what, what, what one thing or one small thing they can do to maybe discover what that is or to take a step towards that? Because who doesn't want to be, 
investing and also doing good, right? I mean, I don't think anyone listening to our podcast be like, no, I just want to, I just want to be a horrible person and make tons of money. Most women, especially our, who are serving, don't come from that place. They want to help, they want to serve, but they don't always know how. And sometimes it can seem very big, right? Um, they haven't done 40 flips or they're, they're not on that, you know, they're not on that pathway to that, or they don't have that construction company in a TV show. So they compare, right? Like, well, what can I really do? But they can do a lot. So what would you say to that woman that might be feeling a little, not small, but like, Hey, what can I do to make a difference and fulfill my goals and dreams of, of creating financial freedom? So what would you say, what would you say to them, Rachel? What small thing can they do or what one thing they can do? Uh, I would first think about what's your, what are your skills? What are you good at? And, you know, for me, it was looking at, okay, um, you know, I have a platform that I can leverage to help people get, you know, supplies or, you know, in, in my experience, um, you know, I work a lot with young adults and, and kids aging out of the foster care system. I, I'm a foster mom. And so um, I work a lot with teenagers and um, I built my business from nothing. I had no idea about how to run a business or anything <laughs> related to that. <laughs> and, um, and I realized there's a huge opportunity for people that don't have that, you know, rock star education or, um, you know, whatever, or huge family support or backing, you can, um, really build yourself up from nothing. Uh, if you can learn a few simple skills. So, let's say you don't know a lot about flipping and you don't know a lot about construction. You may have learned a lot about accounting and how to budget and, 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 you know, get some money together to start something. Or maybe you have some skills on the construction side. Um, You know, we've done workshops teaching kids how to use tools. Um, And those types of workshops are great, not just for kids, but for homeowners so they can fix their own houses. You know, there are tool libraries here in Philadelphia where you could check out some tools and you could make, you could patch your own roof uh, if you have a roof leak. Mm-hmm. So sort of helping people build um, up their skills, you know a lot more than you think you know. Um, just teaching people basic accounting, uh, teaching them mortgage, about a mortgage and what principal and interest is. And, um, you know, a lot of people are really afraid of loans, but if you could get a low interest mortgage and pull out some of your equity, you could take that money and invest it in something else. These are all things that people don't learn in school, um, not in high school, and uh, especially not in some of our uh, urban schools. And so I think once you um, can kind of figure out what your skills are and what you're good at, you can find ways to engage with other people that can really benefit from them. Yeah, love that. How about you, Leka? Okay, I love that Rachel mentioned know your skill set because what I did was in 2018, I was really good at, you know, networking with people and I grew my business through my network. And so I started a meetup group and through that meetup group, like literally I haven't spent any money out of pocket. So I'm saying that you don't have to have money to give back. Uh, You can raise money or, you know, you can provide a service um, and give back that way. So what I did was in 2018, I started a meetup group we would have about 75 to 100 people show up. We charge them $15 at the door. And that $15 for a real estate investor was not a lot of money to come have amazing food, um, you know, network with like-minded people in a great location. So then what we did was we found a sponsor that like would um, basically sponsor the food and the location. And so like every, every cent we collected at the door we donated to two different charities mm. um, in the local Seattle market. 
um, they were both, you know, taking care of young adults uh, that are coming out of protective care. And so, you know, I just feel like just find ways, you know, that you can, in this case, I literally wasn't like, I, I wasn't like, you know, giving out my own money, but I was raising enough money to give to these charities that every month would make a huge difference to these, these uh, organizations. Um, and then through the meetup too, like, we, we didn't have speakers, nothing. Like we just said lunch and networking and then people would come and they would absolutely love, love my event because, and every month they're like waiting for my event because they're like, this is such a cool way to meet people during the, the work hour, like work hours rather than going in the night or like on the weekend to a meetup group. Like this is perfect. Like I'm just going to go have lunch and, you know, meet cool people. Um, so, you know, it's just like finding little ways like that. Like that, that was huge for me. Start with where you are, right? Isn't that, isn't that such amazing, simple advice that we all can, we all can use in our own lives. Like start with what you have and where you are. And there's probably something right there that you can, you can Mm -hmm. give, give back and create some solutions around these big issues that are in our world. We can all kind of make that difference. This has been amazing. Check both of these like phenomenal women out uh, in their businesses. And obviously they both have really, really touching stories in our book, The Only Woman in the Room. So check them out there. Uh, Lakey, where can the women listening learn more about you and follow you on your pathway here? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Instagram. Just find me, Leka Devta, my first and last name. Um, I'd be happy to connect. I'm all about empowering women. If I can't help you directly, then I'll put you in touch with some of the other amazing women in my network. Awesome. And this woman clearly knows a lot of people. We know that now with her story. So if she can't help you, she'll probably know someone that can. And Rachel, where can the women listening learn more about you and all the great stuff that you're up to as well? Sure. So I have uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's Hestia Philly, which is the name of my construction company is Hestia Construction. You can also search for me by my name, Rachel Street, and uh, there's some information on the DIYnetwork.com. Awesome. And all this information you guys can find on our show notes where you can also find the link for our book, The Only Woman in the Room, that we are very proud to be the publisher company so uh we're in a journey so take take a seat because we have a lot of things cooking right now but uh enjoy the book give it as a gift for yourself and to all the other women that you know in your life and thank you for listening and taking the time over here Lika, rachel thank you so much for the chapters that you guys read and being very open and vulnerable, sharing out your stories and being here today with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.